0: pilgrim was I and a wandering in the cold night of sin I did roam when Jesus the kind shepherd found me and now I am on my way home surely goodness and mercy shall follow shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. When I walk through the dark, lonesome valley, I say, His great hand will lead me to the mansions he's gone to prepare. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and I shall feast at the table spread for me. Shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life.
1: All the days, all
0: the days of my life. Amen. I saw several of you out there singing along, so why don't we just sing that chorus together one time? I thought they were waving hankies. (laughs) 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 They might have been doing that too, but I saw some people singing. Sing that chorus with us. We'll sing it together. Surely goodness. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the day. excited to hear David Kane come and preach. David, if you don't mind coming.
1: Good evening. Glad to see everybody here this evening. And how encouraging it is, even though we um, weren't able to hear the teen choir sing, we we're still able to hear some of the teens play instruments. And what a blessing that is just to see um, them slowly learn how to play and slowly getting to the point where they can start to play in church, and hopefully in a couple years we can actually have, a, have an orchestra, and what a blessing that will be. i um, thinking about Luke asking uh, who's in, in the auditorium has learned instruments. I, I'm one of those people, right? I've, I learned two instruments, one being the piano. Um, I guess three. I, I tried the guitar a little bit, and then I tried the baritone, which I think, isn't that what, Kenny, is this? Yeah, so basically I, I tried playing the baritone over there. I, I took a couple lessons. I went to a music camp. Um, And I kind of ended up quitting because it sounded like uh, I was a member of the Mayberry Band. So um, anyway, so I I, I don't really play uh, instruments much. I I still occasionally will play the piano. But uh, what uh, an encouragement it is just to see our young people learn uh, how to uh, play the instruments and be able to be used of God uh, by playing in church. Um, If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Psalms? Psalms chapter number three this evening Um, I appreciate Pastor Shirk just giving me the opportunity to preach and to uh, really use this as an opportunity to uh, share God's uh, word and just to help prepare me hopefully one day for the ministry. And so I do appreciate the opportunity to preach. Um, And oftentimes when I come and I have the opportunity to preach, and obviously I have the opportunity once a quarter to kind of preach to the congregation, I I always struggle, what am I going to preach? You know, when I teach the teens every week, it's kind of easy because I can either teach through a book of the Bible or I can teach through a series. But when you're only getting up and preaching once a quarter, it's kind of hard, like, you know, what, what do I preach? And, and sometimes I, I tease the teens saying, oh, well, I'm going to preach, you know, Song of Solomon tonight, you know, or whatever. Uh, but uh, as I was um, doing my Bible reading, and one of the things that I've been trying to do a better job with is getting up in the morning and having a small time of, of, of Bible reading and prayer. For those of you who know me, I'm not a morning person, and so oftentimes I do my devotions in in the evenings. But I know it's so important that when we rise up in the morning that we have that time in God's Word. And so what I started to do is I, I started to go uh, through the book of Psalms in the morning and just read a Psalms each morning um, as I get up and have a, have a time of just prayer and reflecting on God, and, and I came to this passage, um, and again, it's, it's the third chapter, right? So I, this was a couple weeks ago, and when I read it, I'm like, this is what God wants me to preach, and what an encouraging psalms we have tonight. So Psalms chapter number three, we'll look at, start in verse one. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many uh, are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, There was no help for him and God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God, for Thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone, that hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon Thy people. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for this time that we can come to Your house. We can worship You in song and in our singing. But now as we come to your word, Lord, I pray that you would just fill me with your spirit. You would give me the words to speak. May we come away from this hour of preaching just challenged and encouraged from your word and from your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come to Psalms chapter number three, and really the majority of, of the first section of Psalms are primarily written by David. And as we come to Psalms chapter number 3, we have a psalm written by David when he was fleeing from Absalom. Absalom, David's son, had slowly stolen the hearts of the people. And had slowly stolen the hearts to get an army to basically go and to conquer David and to basically kill David. Their sole purpose was to kill the king and, and to betray the king who was David. And so, right, Absalom, he's getting this army together. Even people who were servants of David and who, who were loyal to David turned away and were following after Absalom. And so Absalom, finally, at one point, he gets his army together and he goes to Jerusalem to start uh, to fight David and to take the throne. Well, obviously, through David's spies and people that David knew, David got the message, Absalom is coming, and he is coming with a great army. And if you read in the book of 2 Samuel, you read about how David said, you know what, now is not the time for battle. And so David, he, he got up, and he took the, those that were loyal to him still. He took his family and his children, and he left The palace and went out into the wilderness across the river Jordan and started and basically fled from from Absalom. And this psalm says during that time of where he's fleeing from his own son, his own son wants to kill David. I uh, in preparation I I took a time I didn't I didn't study every section of Second Samuel but I I kind of read through the section and it was just even interesting to know that Absalom's sole purpose was kill David. Once, hey, once we kill David, hey, all the other people will now turn to us. And his sole focus was to kill David. And as we come to, to, to Psalms 3, we really have, and it's, it's oftentimes considered a morning psalms, and that's primarily due to verse number 5 where it says, I laid me down and slept, I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. But we have this prayer that David makes, this lament that David makes calling out, to God. And as we come to verse 1 and 2, it says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Uh, David's enemies were growing in number. David's enemies were growing greatly. There was more and more people who wanted him dead. There were more and more people who were following after Absalom. And David starts out by focusing on his adversaries. He starts out in his prayer focusing on his problem. There are many people rising up against me. Continuing in verse number 2, he also points out, Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Not only were people rising up against uh, David, but people were basically saying there is no help for him and God. I looked at that Hebrew word. It's, it's the Hebrew word that's oftentimes translated salvation. And it's the same Hebrew word uh, in verse number 8 that starts off by salvation. And so the people were saying, God, God has forsaken David There, there's no, God cannot, is not going to save David. David's beyond saving. It's time for David's judgment. And if you go ahead, let's go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 16, because there are a few verses uh, that, that I want us to look at. But as we think about this word salvation, Right, this word is oftentimes used in the Old Testament. For example, Exodus fourteen thirteen says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you to this today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever." And to think about this word salvation, it means to save, it means to help. And as we come to 2 Samuel chapter 16, I would like us to look at verse number 5. And when King David came to Bahurim, behold, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came, and he cast stones at David and at the servants of King David, And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left hand. And thus said Shimei when he cursed him, Come out, come out thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, and whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief Because thou art a bloody man. And so people were even coming out and cursing David and basically telling David, God has forsaken you. God is now judging you. God is now going to do this thing because of what you have done in your past. And David, he starts out in this psalm just with this this heart of, look at my adversaries, look at his struggles. And I, I think in our, own, in our own lives, we don't necessarily, here in, in the great country of America, we don't have people necessarily coming to kill us and coming to attack us. But we do live in a country, and we do live in a society that tries to do everything it can to take God out of our nation. They try to do everything they can to create doubt about God and his word. They do everything they can to mock God. I mean, you don't have to look any further than Hollywood. Um, I was doing some research and I I actually came across a quote from an actor who is not a Christian, who uh, is not conservative. He's very liberal. I wouldn't say that he's a great person, But he, in a social media post last year, even posted that he said Hollywood is very much anti-Christ. And he started to reference a show that he watched. And I I, I haven't seen the show. I don't know the show. I wouldn't recommend the show. But he started mentioning, I was watching the show, and when I saw this preacher start reading the Bible, I instantly knew he was going to be the villain. And he was one of the villains. And he's like, why can't we have a show that has a preacher who actually loves people and is kind? And in our society, Hollywood and in the entertainment and people around us, they're trying to do everything they can to make us doubt God's word. And to make us doubt God, to where they're basically, they make fun of God. They make fun of Christians. They try to say these things, uh, again, in these shows and movies where it's like the, the Christian is always the dumb one. Or the Christian is always the crazy one. And they, basically what they are doing is, and these programs are coming into our TV sets at home, to where we, are, we can come into a point where we even begin to doubt God. We maybe not would say it out loud but maybe in our actions and how we act, how we respond to when difficult circumstances come into our life. And David, here he has these difficult circumstances. He has these adversaries. He has these people coming against them. And I want to point out that very specifically in verse number three, he changes his whole tone. Because rather than focusing on his adversaries, he starts focusing on the character of God. He starts focusing on the goodness of God. If you look at verse number three, it starts out with the word but. Now, if, if you guys who are English experts, I'm, I'm in my second semester of English composition. So at this point, I am ready to be done with English. English is not my subject. But guess what? When we study God's word, we need to know English. And when we come to this word but, it's a subordinating conjunction that really, in, the, in this conjunction that's being used, it's showing contrast from one thing to another. It's contrasting, saying, hey, this is, this is what's happening, but something else I want to tell you. Something I'm going to con- contrast. And, and in verse number three, David says, but thou, O Lord, art a shield from me. I glory in the lifter up of mine head. Immediately, David, he turns to God. And he turns to the provision of God. And he turns to the character of God to share and to show what God is doing for him. And there are many things that we could say about the next couple verses. But there's three specific things I'd like us to, to see in these verses. The first thing would be that God is a shield. God is a shield. And David uses the metaphor of of God being like a shield for us. A lot of times back then, right, you go into battle, they would have these shields. What does a shield do? It helps defend. When arrows come, guess what? You just stick the shield out and you block the arrows. If somebody's right next to you and they have a sword, right, and they come to attack you with the sword, what do you do? You stick the shield out. You block it. It's a defense for you. It provides protection. It guards you. I think another thing that it's so important too is a shield is not like a sword. See, a sword you have to swing, right? If all I had was a sword, right? And Luke back there, he comes at me with a sword. What am I going to have to do if he goes to 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 slice at me? I'm going to have to like I'm gonna have to do all these things, right? I have to make sure. Hey, if I don't block right, he's going to hit me. But if I have a shield, all I have to do is just stick it out. All I have to do is just stand behind a shield. The shield is what does the defense. The shield is what protects me. It's not me saying, oh, man, I'm this good swordsman. No, it's, hey, Luke, (laughs) I got a shield. You can't get me. And that's what God provides. God in his protection is like a shield where we just stand behind and he can protect us, and he watches over us. He is our protection. Thinking about uh, this this metaphor of being a shield, we can look all the way back to Genesis chapter 15, verse number 1. God is talking to Abraham here, and he says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. David also time, also times in his writings, right, oftentimes uh, referred to God as his shield. Psalms 18.35 says, thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and the right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Psalms 28.7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusteth in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiced, and with, this, with my song will I praise him. God truly is our strength. God truly is our shield. He protects us. He watches over us. He's there to defend us. And David, really in the Psalms, David is confident He is saying, God is my shield. He protects me. He watches out for me. Even though all these enemies are trying to kill me, even though all these people are trying to chase me, God is there. God is my shield. I think the next point I'd like us to look at is not only is God our shield, but God hears and he answers prayer. Look at verse number four. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. He heard. David, he cried out with his voice, and God heard. Thinking about this word as I was diving into it, and I was looking at the Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew expert, so don't 100% quote. But as I was looking at this Hebrew word, it also has the implication of not only hearing, but that there's some sort of reply, that there's some sort of response. And I, I, there's something I want to, there's an illustration I want to do to show you. I'm going to, can I pick on you two up here in the front row? Front row Baptist, usually we have back row Baptist, front row. Uh, Bella and Heidi, can you guys stand up for a second? Oh, hi, how you doing? Good. Can you look to your left? You look to your right? Okay. Left is this way. Look to your left. Look to your right. Man, man, that was a bella, man. I mean, you got to get the whole head turned there. Okay. All right. Now shake each other's hands. Okay. Now sit down. Now I gave them some instructions to do. How did they know what to do? They listened. They heard. But me, me, me basically giving them instructions, how did I know that they heard? They did it. They responded. And David in this passage, he's saying, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me. David was confident. He knew that God heard him. Because God was protecting him, God responded, God answered David's prayers. And David can confidently say, God hears me. Aren't you glad you serve a God who hears you? You know, I oftentimes think, when I think of this, this truth, my mind goes to the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. This is going to be a Wednesday night's lesson for the teens. But I think about this, this story and how the 400 prophets of Baal did all this kind of dancing. Did they receive a response? No, they didn't because they weren't praying to a true living God. They, they received no response. Elijah was even on the, on the mountainside saying, uh, maybe, maybe Baal's on vacation somewhere. Maybe, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe you need to call louder. He's sleeping. Maybe he's going for a journey. But when Elijah prayed, he received a response. Why? Because he prayed to the one true and living God. And we serve the one and true living God. And when we pray, he hears us, he responds. Hebrews 4.16 states, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, uh, I guess it was, would have been two weeks ago. Rachel and I and TJ, we, were, we got pretty bad sickness and we weren't able to come to church on Wednesday night. We weren't able to come to church Sunday night. Not only that, but the one activity that we planned, we weren't able to do as well. And it was a really discouraging time when we got the news that we were sick and, and that you know having to take care of a baby and and he he honestly did better than the two of us. We were struggling and but anyways I, I was really discouraged. And one of the reasons why I was discouraged is I wasn't able to come to church and to teach the teenagers and to be able to do the activity. Obviously, at the end of last year, we weren't able to do a lot of activities just because of TJ being born and just kind of the the changes and the challenges that we were going through. And so this 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 uh, January, we just said, "Hey, we're going to start we're going to start having more activities. We got to get back in the routine of things." And we've been able to get back in the routines of things. But here we are. We're sick. Now we can't do the activity. I can't teach the teenagers. And I was discouraged. And I cried out to God and said, God, help me. I'm discouraged. I'm beaten down. I want to be at church. I don't want to be at home. I want to be at church. And God, first off, revealed a passage to me in my Bible reading that spoke to me. And it was like, that is exactly what I needed. But not only that, but I received a text from Luke. I didn't ask him. He just sends me, well, I asked him to teach on Wednesday night. But then he texts me, uh, I can't remember the exact date that he texted me. But he sent me a text and he said, hey, do you want me to do the activity? It's like, I would love you to do the activity. So the teens could still enjoy a time of coming together with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and having a, an acti- activity here at the church. What happened? I was discouraged. I cried out to God. He heard me. He responded. And I know all of us would have, I'm sure, have similar testimonies that we could say, hey, I I prayed out to God and he answered me. But we serve of God who hears and answers prayer. Not only is God a shield. Not only does God hear us. But God gives us rest and strength in our times of trouble. Look at verse number five. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustains me. If I was David, I and I had a bunch of people trying to kill me, I wouldn't be able to sleep. I'd be worried. I'd be laying out there in the wilderness and I'd hear a noise. What was that? You know, hear another noise. Oh, what was that? You know, I I do that at the house. Um We've got uh, TJ, right now we are still have him in the bassinet. Hopefully in a couple weeks he's going to be going to his room in a crib. But right now we have a ba- him in the bassinet, uh, and, and he's sleeping by Rachel's side of the bed. But what, what oftentimes happened, especially those first couple weeks, is I would say, is he still breathing? You know, I'd have to get up, I'd have to get up, walk around, because I don't want to wake up Rachel. I had to walk around the whole bed, and I'm like like looking. Okay, is his, okay his chest is going up and down. Okay, he's, he's breathing. Okay, and that's how I am when I'm asleep. I'm a light sleeper at times, and so it's like I was constantly, like, waking up. And just to think about all the, if I had a bunch of people trying to kill me, I wouldn't be able to sleep. But David, who trusted in God, who had faith, was able to sleep. And God gave him the rest. God gave him the strength. Again, at the end of the verse, he says, for the Lord sustains me. God was able to give strength. God was able to give him rest. When we come to verse 6, he even says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that sent themselves against me round about. Why was David able to be so confident? Why was David able to say, I am not afraid? Because God was his shield. God heard his prayers. God sustained him and gave him strength. And when we come to these last couple verses, we really see, okay, he he talked about his need. He talked about his struggles. Then he shifts on the character of God. And even though he's still focusing on the character of God, now we kind of see where his one request comes from in the Psalms. And look at verse number 7. It says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. And so David is crying out. He's saying, you know, save me. Right? You, you You have smitten all of mine enemies. Now, oftentimes in the Hebrew, when I was kind of studying this, there's some people that say, you know, a lot of times it's translated in the past. It could also refer to the present. But regardless, David was still looked at it and said, God has defeated my enemies. Past, present, or future, God has defeated my enemies. And then verse number eight, he states, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. David specifically points out, it is God who provides salvation. It is God who provides deliverance. It's not about my own strength. It's not about my own cunningness, about being a great king. No salvation comes from God. And David's focus, it's not about his strength. It's not about his ability, but his focus is about the strength that God has and the ability that God has and to glorify God's name. And he closes by saying thy blessing is upon thy people. God has the power to save. No matter how difficult our circumstances are, no matter how bad our problems are, God has the power to save. And David knew this truth to where he was placing his faith in God. He was depending on God to save him. Think back in verse number two, where he was basically stating, hey, these people are saying there's no help for David basically in God. God's not going to save him. God has forsaken him. But David's like, no, no, my focus, my strength is still in God. He is the one who gives salvation. He is the one who delivers us from our problems. And David's focus is on trusting in God to save him. And really, as we come to this passage, really, and how it can apply to us, we should be encouraged that we follow after a God who takes care of his people. He is our shield. He hears and answers our prayers. He gives us the strength we need. We just need to trust in him. We need to just have faith in him. And I I think as we go through life, and and one point that I did fail to mention is, in verse 5 where he says, I laid me down and slept. Do you know that God, even though David was sleeping, God was still working on his behalf. And oftentimes, uh, God is working on our behalves whether we even know it or not. Whether we even ask for it or not. God is wanting to take care of us. God is wanting to provide for our needs. As I was studying for this passage and this message, I came across the story that maybe uh, isn't the best illustration, but I, when I came across it and I read through it, I, I, I decided I had to share it. On March 1st, 1950, in Beatrice, Nebraska, the pastor went to church that Sunday afternoon to prepare for evening choir practice. Most choir members would arrive between 7.15 to 7.30. He then went home for a quick supper, was ready to return with his wife and his daughter when it was discovered the daughter's dress was soiled and needed a change, which in turn must first be ironed. And the pastor was delayed to choir practice. One of the other uh, sophomores who was in high school was in the choir. Right? She was normally on time. But guess what? She got held up because she was, she was struggling with her geometry work. And so she was late. The pianist, Right. <clears throat> She she decided, hey, I'm gonna be there half hour early. I'm sure she was the choir director's favorite person, you know. Be there early, be there on time, right? And she decided, I'm gonna go come an hour or sorry, 30 minutes early, half an hour early. Guess what? She fell asleep. She was late too. Every, all 15 members of that choir were late. Now, I'm not giving you this illustration to be late to choir practice, okay, people who are in the choir. But all, all 15 members who were always on time were late. Choir practice was supposed to be at 7.30. They were all late. At 7.25, when most of them would have been there, the church blew up. The walls came cra- and the ceiling came crashing in because of a gas leak. And all 15 members. Now, when I first read the story, I said, This can't be true. This can't be true. So I go to Google and I type in March 1st, 1950 in Beatrice, Nebraska. Every article on the page was this story. And how all 15 members who normally were on time were late. Do you think God was protecting them? Do you think God was watching out for them? People who were normally on time were late. All 15. You know, it's one thing to have one or two people late to choir practice, but all 15, God was watching out for them. God was being their shield. Even though they didn't even know it, God was still protecting them. And so I challenge us You know, oftentimes we are met with adversaries. Again, in our country, we're not necessarily met with people are trying to kill us. But we still go through struggles. We still go through adversaries. And we can trust in God and have faith in him because he's our shield. He hears and answers our prayers. And he gives us strength. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you just for how you provide for our every needs, how you are our shield. You hear us. You answer our prayers. That you you sustain us, you give us the strength that we need. And how even though at times our world we may feel is tossing and turning, and we feel like we're getting blown around in the wind, but we can trust in you. We can have faith in you, that you will be there for us as our shield. You will be there for us as our strength. And I would just challenge, I just pray that you would just encourage us with this truth tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll ask you all just to stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. We'll just, uh, we'll just have a short time of invitation, just a, a, an opportunity to just encourage us to, to put our faith and trust in God, to depend on him. He does give us strength. He does protect us. He does help us in our time of need. And so I I would ask that just as uh, Miss Amanda plays just through one stanza, that you just thank God for the provisions that he has given us. (laughs) you <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for your attention to the word this evening. I do want to thank Pastor Shirk again for giving me uh, the opportunity to preach. Thank you.
0: As we mentioned this morning, we are going to be having a business meeting this evening. I want to give everybody who wants to slip out a chance to go ahead and head out real quick, but we're we're not going to.